0: Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to episode 43 of Weekly Roundup with Ricky. Uh, To start us off, we're going to talk about our project updates and specifically we're going to talk about TCFX updates because there are a lot of them. Uh, The first thing first, um, the non-action letter, Uh, which is something that is required by the Swiss regulatory body, FINMA. Um, That is something that we have finished up with our legal team uh, from LIACS. Um, They have basically documented everything related to our operations, uh, everything around the processes. And this document has been submitted successfully Uh, to FINMA. And now at this point, we just wait um, to hear back from them. Uh, Why is this document important? Uh, This document is kind of necessary to be on the good side of the regulators. Um, Registering the company is step number one. Step number two is being on the good side of the regulators. They look at your business model, they look at your operations, and then they let you know whether um, they're going to audit you or shut you down, stuff like that. So uh, the whole process takes like three to six months. Uh, LEAX team feels pretty confident. They are uh, one of the most competent and well-known legal firms as we've shared in the past. Uh, so we're pretty confident in our filing. So another huge milestone. Um, so with that, the next step, again, we are not working in increments. We're working in parallel. So with the non-action letter being worked on, we also had the SRO license that we've been working on and the SRO license is very important. Um, So the reason we need that license is for us to be able to custody funds for the companies or for the projects that raise funds through our platform right now. TCFX can function um, but we'll have to work around that custodial aspect of our business. So uh, we're gonna dive into how we're doing it with uh, our first uh, potential client, but then uh, to be able to leverage the full capabilities of TCFX platform, we are gonna need that license. So for that license, we're getting pretty close to being done with what's expected uh, from us uh, to file for that license. We can expect to file for that license at this point within the next few weeks. So we're getting pretty close and um, it's going to be super helpful to have that license, not only from the regulatory side of things, but also like to unleash our uh, capabilities that I, as I shared earlier. Um, the next up is our partnership with Kind of Blue, Kind of Blue, the project that is being led by Michelle Konosinski. Again, if you don't know Michelle, if you go to tcfx.io, his face is on there. He has put his name and brand behind TCFx. This guy's no joke. He's one of the biggest founders in web, uh, not in web three, one of the biggest founders in the crowdfunding era of web two. And co. COVID- co-founded the um platform uh WeSeed which raised over 450 million dollars uh so far. Uh so it's a huge deal. Um as I shared a couple weeks ago, they're also um sort of working on a patent process for uh their company. So that's another huge deal. Uh, we're also in the final stages at this point for the partnership with them. And the last few details of the partnership are going to be knocked out in, um, a meeting that has been scheduled for next week. So keep your fingers crossed, keep praying things are looking good so far, knock on wood. Um, so this is going to be an incredible, incredible launch. If we're able to get, uh, KOB to use our platform which it seems like uh, they're very keen on doing. That's why they worked with us, even without having an SRO license, they, they're working with us to still be able to use our platform uh, in some capacity. So um, again, if you notice all of these uh, developments from the non-action letter, the SRO license, and the, and the deal with KOB, you can notice that we're not waiting around for things to happen. We're making things happen as things go forward we'll get the license, we'll get the non-action letter. I don't think there's going to be an issue, but meanwhile, we're still finding ways to get engagement within the business to start that order book going, to start that accounting going, to start building a reputation for the company. So that next time Alex and Antonio are in big rooms, like, you know, last week was a big week for us week before that was a big week as well. These guys are sitting in rooms with these large banks, like they're sitting in big sitting in these influential rooms and they're getting to pitch this incredible project and what we're building. And now imagine getting to do that with not just like a slide deck of what the potential of this industry and the platform is. I, I tell you so many times, but the the closer we're getting to all these milestones of the, the bigger milestones for TCFX, the more bullish I'm getting by the day. Like it's it's incredible how beautiful how beautifully everything is coming together. Like the non-action letter, the SRO license, and um, the partnership with KOB. Everything is just falling in place perfectly. And for those that are not listening to this on a weekly basis, they are missing out on a potential, I don't like to make big promises, but looking at how big the crowdfunding space is in Web2 and just looking at WeSeed, I went to their website, they're at $800 million raised so far. And that's that's no small feat. So you can only imagine web three is only going to get bigger than this because we have the ability to have a secondary market around the crowdfunding platform. So, um, sky's the limit guys, like we're doing things the right way. Um, I've already shared like where we started and where we're heading. So it's, it's just incredible. Um, next up, uh, I have another update from the Leax legal team, um, They have reviewed the hybrid approach that we're going to take with the deal with KOB. If you haven't stayed in touch with the deal with KOB, um, the only problem there, well, not really a problem. The only thing holding us back is the SRO license to custody their funds when they try to raise funds using our platform. Um, So as a workaround and still be able to onboard KOB, we have partnered with them. We're trying to partner with them as a technology partner. So we're not going to be custodying funds on their behalf using our platform, uh, but that's going to be a capability we're going to offer as a full package. Once we have that license just to be regulated and that's, that's why you need to realize like Alex and Antonio do not take no for an answer. If there's something that they can't do, they'll find a way around it to still make it happen in the best way possible in the most compliant way possible. So the LIAX team has signed off and given us the green light that we can partner with KOB as long as we're not custodying the funds, which we won't be, but KOB is still going to be using TCFX platform to raise funds. So as a technology partner. Uh, So we're pretty excited about that. That's just another box checked in the agreement that they they were kind of worried about. Uh, So yeah, uh, kudos to Alex Antonio for uh, taking care of that. Um, So after the meeting with KOB to finalize everything next week, uh, Alex and Tonya are going to meet with, uh, with the partners at 4West. So if you remember early on in the project, they mentioned 4West as a VC firm that they have close ties with. And um, this is just going to be incredible when now, when they have this conversation with West onboarding the first client on TCFX as an actual business and not just an idea. Um, the connections we form and the potential, the doors that are going to open for us are just incredible. Uh, so just a reminder, West. if you look up West Investing, it's like a big like money management house. Like it's a family run business. It's kind of a big deal in Switzerland. So, uh, they, they handle retirement funds. They handle their, these guys are big. So these are the big dogs. Um, so once we signed that deal with KOB, they already have a, they already have a meeting scheduled with four West. So, uh, that's, that's another, that's another big name that they'll, they'll be approaching. So, uh, and they already have an in with, uh, some of the higher leaderships there. Um, uh, so yeah, um, I did not know how well connected Alex and Tony were in that Switzerland area. And I was just blown away by how many people these guys know and kind of rooms these guys are sitting in. So, um, that's kind of a huge deal to already have that kind of backing and people believing in you at such a young age um, because it shows like age is no number in every way possible these guys are one of the most professional people that i've ever met in my life i'm not even gonna say web 3 web 3 is i honestly say these guys are raising the bar and when meta Leon gets to that mainstream limelight and people are flooding to be part of it and I don't say if, I say when, because looking at the progress we're making and the foundation we're laying for the business and how it's gonna funnel things into Meta Leon Society as a collection. Like when people see the vision and people are still like buying, like people were sweeping floors and people are minting, just looking at the collection. Every time I go into a space and tell people about the collection, like they don't even care about TCFX. They're like, okay, that's cool. But even if you were just selling this as a PFP project, like we would want to buy this. Like that's that's how incredible everything we've done so far is. Um, so we're we're excited about everything that's coming, guys. Um, last up with um with the TCF, well, it's not really TCFX, but it's personal updates from Alex Antonio. Antonio is returning from Monaco. Where he visited his family last week. Uh, I guess he's 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 supposed to reach Switzerland tonight. And um he's just gonna hit the ground running from tomorrow again. I have a meeting schedule with him. I have a few things I need to discuss um for some of the things that are upcoming that I'll share in the Meta Leon Society updates here shortly. And Alex is attending a close friend's wedding in Baku, so um, he, they they both needed this break. I know they've been working incredibly hard, helping out with their uh, with Alex's dad's business, uh, running that restaurant. They were low on staff, um, and also doing everything they're doing for TCFX. Nothing ever stops. It's incredible how these guys manage their time; like it's insane. Uh, how focused and dedicated these guys are and how, and and it's not just that it's easy for them to say like, oh, we're busy with our own business, so we can't really help. Like these guys know the value of giving back. Like I was talking to Alex and Antonio, they were like, my Alex was like, my parents helped uh, us during the launch of the project. We were literally hunkered down in one of the rooms in their house Um, so this is a way for us to give back to them for supporting us early on in the project. Like who thinks like that? Like that's, that's your own parent. Like you don't have to like owe them anything like, but they are so professional with everything. Like they know how to be grateful and they know how to give back more than what they receive. And those are the kind of people I want to associate myself with. And that is why when people look around in the Leon family, they see these incredible human beings with such positive attitude. Such sophisticated way of looking at things in terms of investing, in terms of uh, uh, managing their funds, like in terms of understanding things, in terms of doing their own research. Like it's not a coincidence. It starts all the way from the founders to the core team down to the community. Like it's now it's to the point where the community is a bigger voice for the project than the founders themselves and that is what they wanted to build to start off with i still remember uh when they were opening up discord uh to select few people so that they could personally get to know everybody that was joining the server i don't even know any web3 project that has ever done that like i've never been part of something like this so uh seeing those little things that they have done since the start and things they do for people in their real life. I am beyond grateful that I have come across these people, and I get to call them friends, family, and I get to call you guys friends, family, and like beyond family at this point. Really, um, it's friggin' four in the morning here, and I'm hyped to tell you guys about everything that I that I've put together for you this week. And I've done this for 43 weeks so far, so it's. It should show you that it's it's all the love that we have in the Leon family. Like it doesn't matter whether NFT market has a hype cycle going on or not. If the blue chip collections are dropping, nothing matters. People in the Leon family know what they hold. Like we're still sitting at a solid floor. We're still sitting at a solid hold rate. Like it's it's stuff that we don't really worry about because we know that we've invested enough time, energy, and we continue to do that in educating our Leon family and staying, most importantly, staying transparent. I, I'm just beyond grateful guys for all of you and everything that we've done so far. Uh, so we're gonna move on to Meta Leon Society updates. So on the community side of things, uh, I'm working closely with uh, Jenny to kind of finalize everything around the the one year anniversary. So our anniversary, is coming here up soon, so I can't even believe it's been almost a year. Oh, well, it's been a year! Like we're like a week away. Uh, so super excited for everything that we've planned. I am currently in conversations with a uh, music NFT entertain music slash entertainment NFT collection on the XRP ledger, and uh, the guy seems really really smart. Like he's uh, he's worked. His labels worked with T-Pain, CeeLo Green, Green, um, bunch of big names, like it's insane. Um, so we are trying to put together a Metaverse concert uh, for our Leon family. Um, so we'll see if that works out. If not, then we'll potentially have something in our Discord. Uh, but deals, uh, the deal is getting finalized. Like again, just a reminder, I was able to negotiate um, close to nothing really like and i'm super grateful for this opportunity um and we'll get we'll get the details out to you guys once we have the time and once we have their artist uh their time and uh everything uh from them so uh we're also gonna have some gifts and we're gonna have a bunch of other things for the one year anniversary event so get ready guys get super excited um we're super grateful that we are on this journey. The people that have joined from the start, the people that have joined at the middle of the journey, and the people that are going to join us later, we're always going to be here. The core the core community, all of you guys are always going to be here to welcome everybody with open arms. So I'm super grateful for everything we've built so far. This is only year one. We already shared this is a long-term game, and we're already starting to see such incredible Uh, updates from our founders from the actual business side so the fact that they have delivered so much in under a year in one of the highest regulated countries in the world for web3 it calls for celebration so that's exactly what we're going to do so yeah Um, next up uh, so the NFT project is Astral's, and I will also be interviewing their founder this weekend. Um, it had been a while. I spotlighted a good project. And we're going to dive into the XRP Ledger updates um, in the market updates. I know it's very important to share and I for the entire crypto industry what happened with the SEC lawsuit. Uh, so that's something that we'll probably dive into in the interview but most importantly we're going to dive into what the project is about and how they're disrupting entertainment and music industry Uh, because if you know anything about the music industry i did not know um, how much less the artists were making in traditional label houses so this is going to be incredible i'm looking forward to it hopefully everybody's able to join as well we'll try to find a time that works best for most of our leon family Um, I don't care if I have to wake up at two in the morning or three in the morning. If the time works best for everybody, I'll, I'll make it work. So super excited about that. Uh, Keep enjoying the updates uh, on everything that we're working on. I'm super excited for the celebration. It's been a long time coming. I knew that it's going to be a big, I knew that for the year one of the project is going to be a big year. And it has come to be such a big year so far. So, And we're not even close to being done with the year. This is only quarter two. Um, so, so much more to come in 2023. And we're just going to keep uh, chucking along and uh, deliver with consistency. Do what we do best. Uh, that kind of wraps up our MetaLeon Society updates uh, for the community. And then now we're going to jump right into our market updates. So, Today's updates are uh, broken up into different sections just like I always do so that you guys can kind of follow along. I really like structures and things because it helps me remember stuff better. Uh, So we're going to jump into the legal stuff first. So what has happened in the legal side of things in crypto and Web3? Uh, So the biggest thing that has happened in the past week is the SEC versus Ripple, the us-based uh payments company that uses xrp token for cross-border payment a quick update on what this lawsuit was about so sec brought this lawsuit on ripple uh the company uh, two and a half years ago almost three years ago and this was literally the last day of jay clayton who was the previous SEC chair before Gary Gensler he brought the lawsuit literally the last day of his office he he okay he signed off on this lawsuit and went out of the door the next day like this was for those that that kind of see through this this was such a shitty move like it's so in it's so infuriating to see that when you had the choice to kind of do your research and realize that this is a legitimate US business, bringing so much value, hiring so many people within the US, and you bring a lawsuit against them when you don't even have a case. The main lawsuit was around, uh, SEC was claiming that the XRP token itself, like the token itself, is a security, a security like a stock, a stock in the company and they were trying to make the case that anybody and everybody that holds XRP token is in an agreement and is in a contract with Ripple the company and they're expecting to make profits off of Ripple's um, expertise and off of Ripple's uh, hard work. But the problem was this, they're trying to stretch the law too far and I'm not gonna go too deep into what the law was but SEC was basically trying to use this lawsuit as a weapon and also use this lawsuit to kind of get a ruling from the court Um, and they were hoping the judge would just say, oh, it's a government agency, they know what they're doing and they're gonna ignore the fact that this was unlawful. But the judge, Annalisa Torres, I gotta give it to her. She basically put SEC in its place in this lawsuit. Sure, the SEC won on the side of like the some of the initial sales of XRP that Ripple did. Um, They are going to count as a security, so they might have to pay a fine for that. But companies get those fines all the time. Like it's not a big deal. The biggest deal was if XRP as a token would have been declared a security by the judge, the SEC was going to use the same ruling and go to every other altcoin and Ethereum would not be spared either. So Ethereum, Cardano, Matic, every token would be declared a security according to SEC. All they would be like, oh, look at this uh, ruling by Judge Torres on the XRP token. So Judge Torres basically pushed back on the SEC and said the token itself can never be a security for many reasons. One of them being, it's not really a token, it's computer code. How can computer code be a security? Secondly, Ripple is not the only company that uses the XRP ledger. There's other developers that have nothing to do with um, the token, uh, nothing to do with Ripple that are developing on the XRP ledger like NFT projects, other payment systems, individual developers to use the XRP ledger to send Bitcoin through the network. It's insane how many applications there are outside of Ripple using it for cross-border payments. Another big ruling that Judge Torres did was to protect the investors. Like SEC, as we know by now, I've shared in detail, this regulatory body under Chairman Gensler, it hurts my heart to use the word Chairman Gensler because I have no respect for the guy. Um, And it takes a lot for me to say things like this about somebody, but this guy has attacked crypto since day one, since he came into the office. Um, So... He wanted to basically make XRP, like kill the token, basically. He wanted to kill the crypto economy by getting a ruling that the secondary market, like when you buy any token from an exchange, that is a secondary market. He wanted to get the secondary market declared as a security also. And he knew that there's no way possible an exchange can register with the SEC because the business model doesn't make sense. And there's no way to register anyway because the rules are 80 years old. 80 years ago, nobody knew about DLT technology. Nobody knew about this decentralization concept. Computers didn't exist. So clearly, it's just impossible to register. So this was like a shady way for them to ban crypto in a way in the U.S. because if you can't really register, companies cannot thrive. There's not going to be on and off ramps. So you see how there's like this is such a shady move. And Judge Torres explicitly mentioned in her ruling, and this is a summary judgment, by the way. So the the case is not settled yet. There's still, the trial still will be happening, right? So there's still going to be the trial aspect, but the trial is going to go on for about a year. And the trial is about the founders, like, trying to see if the founders knew what they were doing when they were breaking security laws. Uh, But I hope and I think that the founders of Ripple are going to win the lawsuit because the emails that were released from Bill Hinman, who was in the office of uh, SEC when all this was happening, even he was getting emails from his internal SEC staff and other departments within the SEC saying that they don't know if a token – they don't have enough information if something is a security or not, like they needed to do more research. So if SEC did not know that something is a security, how do they expect the private market to know, right? So I think they're going to win, but I'm not a lawyer. I've just followed this lawsuit and learned a lot about the law. I had to, because if I know about something, I'm able to make a better decision for myself and my community. So I did the grunt work and kind of, broke down everything. So good news, good news, good news is for now and for about a year or whenever the SEC can, I don't know if SEC is going to appeal what what the judge basically said. The judge also said, by the way, that the secondary market sales are not a security. So you buying XRP and with extension to XRP, I think any other altcoin on a secondary market It's not a security. So it basically kicked Gary Gensler and SEC in the corner, telling them that they just cannot overreach into any industry because they think so. SEC has just been exploiting this regulatory uncertainty in the US while other countries like UK, I know, has a comprehensive crypto bill in progress. I know Mika law in the EU has already been passed. Japan's working on one, Switzerland already has one, Singapore's already got one, Hong Kong is working on one, the entire world, and yeah, Dubai, UAE already has one, so all these countries are working towards providing clarity for Web3 to take off, and then there's the US, supposed to be the leader in technology and, and financial markets, and the regulatory bodies are dragging their feet. And it took a court ruling after two and a half years of wasting public money because SEC is funded by tax dollars. They could not catch FDX. They could not catch Celsius. They could not catch Voyager. They could not catch Gemini. I'm not saying Gemini was like a bad actor. It's just things happened, like things snowballed. All of these companies went bust. Celsius actually was a Ponzi scheme. FTX was a Ponzi scheme. Then you sit around and then you sue actual legitimate businesses using tax dollars from people. It costed $200 million to ripple, like this whole lawsuit. $200 million that could have gone to hire talent in the US, grow the ecosystem, put Web3 forward, but instead it was used basically to get a ruling on something that we already knew. So that's why it makes me angry as to how the SEC can be so delusional to do what it was doing. Good on Annalisa Torres, Judge Annalisa Torres, because she she basically ruled the best way possible. Like it was a win-win situation. So uh, super excited of what it did uh, the prices of all assets kind of rose that day after the news, cause it was a good news for the entire industry. This was not just a win. The reason I'm updating you on this lawsuit, everything in the crypto industry within the U S and U S is the largest market in the world. So basically crypto, this was the biggest lawsuit, um, in the crypto industry. And it's going to go down at the, one of the biggest lawsuits in the history of finance. I'll say that because this helps us win the future. Because if we would have lost this lawsuit, we would never be able to um, see the actual potential of Web3. So, uh, super glad that this happened and it, the lawsuit went the way it did. A funny thing uh, that a reminder that Gary Gensler was appointed by the Democratic Party. And again, this is not political, but this is, but everything they, Problem is r- when regulators make everything political, you have to learn about how things work in uh, the hill. So a representative on the Democratic side, Richie Torres, who's like on the younger side, and he he's very he knows what crypto holds as a potential for the country. He knows the use cases. He knows how important this market is and how important it is to protect the market. So him being a Democrat, he sent a letter to Gary Gensler right after this lawsuit uh, summary judgment came out by the by the judge. He has asked him to now stop attacking crypto and he's asked him if he if Gary Gensler now that he knows that he doesn't have regulation over the crypto industry in most of the cases, he's basically asking him in the lawsuit kind of like rubbing it in as well like, hey, listen, we knew you were overreaching. You have been going around on TV shows and telling people we don't need regulations. And here you are losing the lawsuit, which clearly shows that we do need regulations. So Congress is good news is Congress is working on two bills right now. One is for stable coins. One is for the crypto market structure. So that's kind of good. And they're both are supposed to be uh, voted on towards the end of the end of the month. So maybe next week, actually. Uh, so this letter from him is just another blow to Gary Gensler to show him that you just your job is to enforce the law, not to create the law. The law gets created in the Congress, not from the regulatory side of things. So uh, clearly he needed a reminder Gary Gensler about what his job role was because clearly he'd forgotten about it. Um, he'd act He started acting like a politician, going on rounds telling telling news media that, We don't need crypto. We already have the digital dollar. We have bank accounts. And it sounded like it was Elizabeth Warren talking through him because those are the talking points of Elizabeth Warren, who's very anti-crypto. She was assembling an anti-crypto army, and she's nowhere to be heard. Neither is Gary Gensler. They're all in hiding. Literally two days ago, Gary Gensler was being interviewed by Yahoo, and you could see it in his face like he's accepted defeat. And then when he was asked about crypto, he quickly deflected the topic to say, oh, cryptos, uh, we shouldn't focus on crypto. We should focus on AI. That is where the innovation is. So now that he's lost, he doesn't want to talk about crypto. But literally two, three weeks ago, all he wanted to do was talk about crypto. So what really changed in two weeks? So when you educate yourself, the reason I shared so much about this lawsuit with you guys is when you educate yourself and see how these like agencies work and when they don't work in your favor and you pay for these agencies with your tax dollars, you realize like you see through their bullshit and you're able to determine. Um, and the beauty about the lawsuit was the judge cited some of the people that had filed an affidavit stating that they knew nothing about Ripple. They were just holders of XRP. They bought it on the secondary market. They knew nothing about it, Ripple or what it did as a company. They just bought it from for speculative reasons. Some of them also shared that they're building on the XRP ledger. So the judge heard the people. Can you believe that? The judge heard the people. And she was reading this affidavits being put to her from all parts of the U.S. and even the world, like some... Some people send their affidavits from like other countries. So she knew that only RIP, this is not a Ripple versus SEC. This is Ripple versus SEC versus the investor, the average American. So that's why she ruled the way she did because people raised their voices. And that is the beauty of Twitter because some of the things that was being shared around. Congress people are starting to notice. They're coding community members. In another lawsuit, an XRP person got invited, right? Um, so yeah. Um, just uh another day in crypto. Uh then Coinbase Kraken Bybit. Uh so yeah, literally within hours of the of the lawsuit uh, update, uh the summary judgment, there was Coinbase, there was Kraken, Bybit, and there's a bunch of other exchanges that quickly listed XRP. So that's how amazing this news was. So if any altcoin, all these altcoins that are getting sued by the SEC, uh, if you remember the Binance and Coinbase lawsuit, they named a bunch of tokens as securities. So that that whole argument is out of the door now because the token itself can never be a security. So that's those lawsuits are gonna take a huge blow as well. Uh, That brings me to the next update on the lawsuit side of things, Coinbase versus SEC lawsuit. So there is also this lawsuit where the SEC is taking a big L. Uh, The judge is calling out the SEC's bullshit. And she's basically saying in that lawsuit that, hey, if you approved Coinbase as a publicly listed company, as SEC, you've reviewed their business, you saw their uh, processes how do you think that all of a sudden you're going to come around and literally within a year going to say that when their business hasn't changed at all um, and say that now they're an illegal exchange? So SEC did not have a good answer for that. And then the next question she had for SEC was, how are the market participants are supposed to know which token are securities and which aren't? And the lazy answer that the SEC lawyers gave to the judge for this was, all they have to do is, is read the Howey test and the Howey test is from the 1920s. And it's so painful when the judge has to like, she has to rephrase her question and say, you cannot realistically expect 80 or 80 year old law, which was just a lawsuit, not even in the law, uh, use that precedence for some new technology that's literally a decade old. So I'm pretty sure SEC is going to lose this case as well. There's, there's literally, it's so painful to watch, like the kind of losses the SEC is taking. I'm pretty sure either Gary Gensler is going to get rid of by the Congress. I know he's like, he's a ill faith regulator. He's causing, he's becoming a political, what do you call it? Um, a political liability for the Democrats with the elections coming up next year. I'm pretty sure they're not going to have him around because he's bringing more bad press to the Democrats than anybody's ever done. So we'll see how that goes, though. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about the ETF applications. So ETF applications have been in the news for a while, ever since Larry Fink from BlackRock, literally the biggest asset manager in the world. um, He filed for a lawsuit through his company for Bitcoin. Uh, so the SEC has officially published BlackRock's Bitcoin ETF application in the Federal Register. So why is that important? That is step number one. Step number one of SEC acknowledging that they have seen your application. It looks good. It meets all the requirements. And now the review process is going to start. And that could take a few months. So don't hold your breath on having an ETF in the U.S. anytime soon. Uh Talking about ETFs, Australia has a Bitcoin spot ETF that was filed last week, so waiting on that as well. Um, And there's other Bitcoin ETFs that were filed that were also put in the Federal Register by the SEC. So with this, I think once SEC is good with one of these, they should be able to approve the rest of them because all of these basically mimic each other. They're all copying from each other, which is a good thing. If you have a standard practice then just copy each other. It doesn't it's not a bad thing to do. Um, if the regulator has no problem with one, they shouldn't have a problem with any of the others. I know there's like five to seven Bitcoin ETFs that were filed and they're waiting for the SEC to be approved. So step number one is done. Next piece of news: we have AI and Web three. Um, I know there's like five to s- AI and Web three uh, stuff. So. Uh, We have, um, what do we have for AI and Web3? We have, first of all, Cointelegraph, which is a Web3 news media house. They have a collection they're launching, which is being called a historic collection. And what you'll be able to do with this collection is you'll be able to own pieces of news articles you'll be able to own actual news articles from the past, like big news pieces. And they're saying that this is in defense of AI uh, because you can literally rewrite history with AI. If you don't have actual proof of what happened, AI can make something up and change the narrative. So this is going to be a way to protect AI rewriting history. Uh, On the positive side, we have crypto exchanges coming out and saying that they are utilizing the power of AI uh, to improve some of their internal processes and also to improve user experiences with things like chatbots and um, some tech to basically improve their internal uh, controls and auditing and things like that to be compliant and uh, just, just be on the right side of the law and doing things the right way. Um, We talked a little bit politics, but we didn't talk about the main stage with the elections coming up. Uh, RFK Jr., who's running on the Democratic side for the U.S. elections coming up next year, he stated something publicly that broke the internet. So this guy came out and said that he will be removing capital gain taxes from conversion of Bitcoin to U.S. dollar. So instead of treating like Bitcoin like a commodity, he said Bitcoin is a currency. So when you convert between currencies, you don't really have a capital gains tax. So that's something that he promised. And then another thing that he promised, which I don't know how possible this is going to be within a four year term. If he's going to win again, um, who knows what happens? He said he's going to back the US dollar with Bitcoin because it is the most transparent and global money that has ever like is it's the most technologically revolutionary money that has ever existed and it's scarce so we need to back us dollar with digital gold that that was basically what he said so uh, we'll see how much this comes to fruition then on the other side of the aisle we have ron DeSantis on the republican side who also has a stance on crypto in a way He said on day one, he's going to ban a CBDC in the U.S. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it Uh, because CBDC is just how governments enjoy to just encroach freedom of the people. It's just been a global problem. We're already seeing a CBDC come into fruition in China. India's already working on one. It's all about control. And I know there's positives, benefits, banking the unbanked, getting funds to the right people. Um, quick access to funds during national emergencies. There's all these benefits. I get them. But there's ways to do that without having a CBDC. CBDC is majorly about control from what I've seen so far. I'm trying not to make an opinion so early because most of the countries are still in the trial stages and we haven't really seen a full-blown CBDC come out yet. But according to uh, BIS, I think a report that I shared last week, about 34 countries are ready to go live with the CBDC by 2030. So we'll we'll, we'll see in the next few years. There's going to be a country at least that's going to have a full-blown CBDC. Uh, to close out before we open up the floor, uh, last piece of news updates are related to funding in Web3. So we have been through a really cr- gruesome bear market in 2022. Funding was drying up. Everything was going down. Uh, But things are starting to look up again. And specifically for the U.S., about 45% of all of VC venture capitalist funding in crypto area was secured by U.S.-based startups in quarter two. And I just see this continuing, continuing to go up. More money is going to flow into the U.S. ecosystem as we continue to get more clarity. This lawsuit with Ripple was the first step in the right direction. Once we have actual laws come out of Congress and a bill signed by the president, I see a huge influx of capital from TradFi to come into crypto. So be ready for that incredible bull market that's probably coming next year, or year after. I'm not a financial advisor. Or anything I just try to look at what's happening from the macro aspect, from legal aspect, and try to make predictions and position myself accordingly and help my Leon family. Everybody that listens to this on. Spotify uh, so that they're they're well um, they're well accustomed to what's coming. Uh, the last piece of news is coming from Polychain Capital and Coinfund, so these two funds have raised about three hundred fifty million dollars in funding for specifically crypto startups and crypto projects so this is again a huge win for the crypto industry. The more money that goes into this industry. The better the infrastructure is going to be, the better the regulation is going to be, the better visibility we're going to get, the better spot we're going to get on the main stage with TradFi because we are the future. I have had zero doubts since the day I got involved with uh, this industry that this is where the world is heading. Um, It's all about transparency, empowering people, and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm always for it. And there's nothing that's going to change my mind until there's something fundamentally flawed about this industry. If someone tomorrow comes around like, okay, cool, I've hacked the blockchain. If that's something that's doable, then and that, then that that's a different conversation. But if something hasn't happened, nobody's been able to hack an entire blockchain in years. I know the Bitcoin blockchain has not been hacked so far. Ethereum had a 51% attack back in the day. I think it was like... 2015 16 when ethereum classic came out to be ever since they've never had an issue so and now they're proof of stake so that's even worse like it's not even worth to attack the chain anymore like you'll you'll need billions of dollars to do what you end up losing that money anyway when you attack the chain so i think the incentives are well aligned in the industry At this point, but it doesn't mean that nothing can happen in the future. Uh, So, yeah, always, always stay updated. That's why I give you guys these updates on a weekly basis, because nobody's talking about this stuff. Everybody's just too busy uh, talking about prices, talking about how much money they're making, talking about the Lamborghini that they're going to buy. Get ready for it. When the bull market comes around, you're going to see all this stuff and your emotions are going to test you again. But you have to remember what I tell you every time. You have to have a game plan. If you don't have a game plan, you're going to get played. Whales are going to dump on you. Industry is going to dump on you. Institutions are going to dump on you. Um, Why do you think all of these ETFs are getting filed right now? They could have waited for next year for more clarity. They all know about the Bitcoin halving. They know that Bitcoin issuance are going to go down by half next year. So they all want to get their ETFs ready to go, get that cheap Bitcoin, scoop all that up, and when Bitcoin is sky high, dump it all in retail. That's how it works because everybody's going to be buying when these guys are going to be selling. You want to be with these people. No matter what your belief is, if you're a hodler for life, if you want to take some profits, pay off your mortgage, anything you want to do, never invest more than you can lose. And always take some profits off the table. I would personally never be mad if I have to pay taxes on my crypto. I'll be happy to do that because that means I made some money. So it's important to maintain a short-term, mid-term, and long-term horizon. So uh, with that, we'll continue to bring you these incredible updates. I am grateful for each and every one of you. Love you all. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. And I am gonna see you all Next week, same time, same place.